0: There's one person missing.
1: Yeah, I, was... I know. Phil Robson.
0: I've not seen Phil for ages. I wanted to go to him about the fact he doesn't have a weight
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Unplanned, a fortnightly ramble with three planning barristers, one super special guest from the world of planning, 30 minutes, two topics on planning, law, and a little bit of life thrown into... Unplanned, because we'll pick those topics out kind of a literal hat, live, on air, before your very ears.
3: Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of Unplanned, the podcast that takes three planning barristers, two topics and one special guest. Uh, today's episode is being hosted by Joseph Cannon, Joe Cannon of Corderstone, Zach Simons of Landmark and uh, me, Rebecca Clutton of Francis Taylor Building FTB. Um, Today, we are very lucky to be joined by Charlotte Morfitt. (music) Charlotte is a Principal Planner at the London Borough of Orphan Forest. She's also the co-chair of Women in Planning, uh, a group that she also co-founded and she is the British Property Federation's rising star of 2019. So welcome, Charlotte, and um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me.
1: She's also a very accomplished jazz drummer and actually played the drums on that uh, intro piece of music. Isn't that right, Charlotte?
0: I wish. I wish I was that good. I did learn the drums when I was younger. I did like quite like the jazz drumming, but I kept forgetting to go to my lessons. <laughs> but i did i did appreciate the jazz drumming
3: well sadly sadly phil's not joining us today phil robson of kings um and i'd like to say that it's because he's been out uh celebrating liverpool's historic uh victory uh last <laughs> night um as he should be but actually yeah. uh it's because of the limitations of this recording technology which means <laughs> we can only have four so phil we miss you and uh, he'll be joining. He'll be joining you again on a, a later instalment of Unplanned. Now, um, if you've listened before, you'll know uh, that we pick a topic or two topics um, out of a literal hat every week. And here, I have this week's hat.
2: Yes, look at that. That's that's a lovely hat. That's okay. a beaut. What's the What's the story there? It's a Panama. It is. It's
3: a Panama purchased last year. In Italy, when we could still Uh, travel.
1: Yeah. I can see in the label it says Capellino Panama. What does that mean?
3: Yeah. Who knows?
1: That's the kind of pasta that it's made out of.
3: (laughs) It's 100% paper. Is it? Apparently, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like all the best Panamas, I think.
3: Absolutely. And within that uh, 100% paper Panama hat, um, we have got some topics. So, shall I pick the topic out of the hat?
2: Yay. Good.
3: (laughs) So, are we ready First topic this week is life in planning after lockdown. Yeah, how do we how do we think life in planning is going to be? Zach, do you want to kick us off?
2: Yeah, I, I don't want to get all legal because that's definitely not what the point of this podcast is. But one of the <laughs> things, no one wants me to get all legal, one of the things that I have found quite interesting about all of the new regs over the last couple of months that I'm not going to go into in any detail at all is... Um, one of the things that's quite interesting about them is is that really, as a result of lockdown, the government's requiring us to do things that we probably should have been doing <laughs> already, really. Mm-hmm. I understand that it is it, it's genuinely, you know, important that the planning system in all of its facets is got to be transparent, it's got to be accessible to people and not everyone's got an iPad or a or a laptop or, or, or whatever or a smartphone but i think you know when you, when you think about what lockdown has has forced us to do forced us to have forced the government to allow things like planning application to be consulted on online using facebook or twitter or whatever um the sorts of people that that sort of publicity will reach the ease with which it will reach them that kind of thing it seems to me you know it those are positive changes that i know that the a lot of the regulations are only temporary but that seems to me those are the sorts of changes that actually will be a good thing down the line and hopefully increase the access of the planning system to 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 lots of new people who weren't engaging with it before
3: yeah i think you actually we have to ask ourselves whether by facilitating electronic um electronic reviews electronic access to documents electronic comics etc we are actually going to be able to broaden the number of people who consultation can reach i mean certainly um if you think about the the webinars and um you know this kind of thing that people have been doing whilst we've been in lockdown certainly the numbers for those seem to be much greater than you would get on physical events in person events and that that suggests that they are touching a a wider audience.
0: Although I agree with all of that, we do have to be careful about thinking that digital reaches everybody. Um, One of the projects that's been happening around locally where I am, which my boyfriend's been doing while he's on furlough is recycling um, old laptops for disadvantaged children and um, community centres within Battersea because there are a lot of children in London at least, um, who just don't have access to a laptop, so they're not doing their work with their teachers remotely or they're not gonna be able to see about your consultation. So I think it works for those people, those YIMBYs, so to speak, those people that probably would have said yes to development, uh, but didn't have the time to go to your consultation. But I think for young people and disadvantaged groups, it's possibly not gonna reach all of them. And um, really, actually, we've been thinking about at Wolfram Forest, um, non-contact forms of engagement as well that aren't digital, so that we're not missing those hard to reach groups, those people that possibly don't have a laptop or don't know how to use it.
3: And what might that involve? What What is a non contact form of engagement? We're still
0: figuring that out at the moment, um, <laughs> but it could be it could be something like an urban room where people can just go in and have a look at right. information about planning in their area. So one urban room mm. that's quite successful in London is on the Old Kent Road, and that's to do with the Old Kent Road Opportunity Area. And then I think Camden also had one uh for their climate change strategy right just somewhere you can go in and find out information and you know you might reach other people that you wouldn't have thought about getting either Mm.
3: that's actually quite interesting isn't it that's something that i think has been done on some compulsory purchase projects for a while in the sense that often if you've got an estate regeneration project you'll have a physical location on site where people affected people in the local area can go in and they can talk to people who are um, involved in the scheme they can look at plans they can look at models of what's going to be done and they can give their feedback in person so actually yeah that, that that's a model that really works on that so, and, and it's perhaps slightly odd that that hasn't been implemented in in relation to sort of regular planning if you put it like that joe what's, what's your thoughts
1: I was just thinking that was interesting to hear because one of the things that um, has struck me about lockdown is the way that it has um, forced a lot of us to kind of rethink some of the things that were unthought about before. Mm. Um, Obviously, there are the big things, you know, do we want to work as much as we do? Do we want to attend inquiries? But just something Charlotte was saying about the nature of consultation, my perception, and I mainly do housing inquiries on Greenfield sites mainly, um, and the people that attend those are almost always retired and, or they, at least they look like they're retired. Um, uh, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um,
3: Aged by the stress of your proposals.
1: Or my, or, yeah. Or by my, yeah. Series of ridiculous antics. Exactly. Um, although I'm u- usually on their side usually. Um, but then they're crossed that I'm not taking, you know, um, all the highways points or whatever. Anyway. Um, I think the point is that we it is worth having a look again at what, what it means to um, foment or facilitate engagement. You know, I think the planning system allows engagement for a sector of society, but there's a whole swathe of people who haven't got a clue and don't engage. And, um, you know, maybe they all have laptops, but this opportunity to kind of rethink the way that we do things in... Um, in a way that has until now just been the default so we kind of haven't questioned it I think is a real opportunity yeah. from lockdown um your point about laptops is a good one um it may be mm. that a family has a laptop but it might be a family of six and you know they might also having be having to attend mm. um their lessons via zoom or whatever so you know in that family you need maybe six laptops and very few families have six so I think there are lots of questions that aren't answered by well everyone's got a laptop haven't they
3: I think there's a role here as well potentially for some of the planning advocacy charities, charities like Planning Aid, to step in and take a greater role um, and, and offer support to, to people who perhaps otherwise wouldn't engage. I, I know there's a, a big project that I'm working on where Planning Aid has been involved in helping people f- um, draft their representations against the project or or in respect of the project so, so that at least they're making sure that they're able to focus on you know, material points to that planning application rather than things that aren't material planning considerations.
0: Not being, like, super negative about it because we did have a really successful and one of the first um, planning committees. Yeah,
2: you guys were really early on. You were all yeah. early on in the in the process, Waltham Forest. Yeah, and
0: we've had really, really good um, attendance. We've got more people than we'd usually have and it seems to be working quite well. Um, mm. So it, it it is working, it is reaching some people, but I just do worry that it may be not reaching as many people as we think it is. It's sort of being in a bubble of like, we, we've all got webinars and Zoom and we know how to yeah. use it. We just, we just always just need to be careful and make sure we're being as inclusive as possible. I think Joseph's point about rethinking everything is a, a really good idea. And there's some really interesting stuff that's coming out of public practice, which is um, a placement in the public sector run by uh, Finn Williams and Puja Agar. And um, they have to do some research and development each year. And they're doing quite a lot around how you could rethink engagement. And some of it is around how you do it with, with young people. But there's also been some really successful initiatives. Um, we have youth advisors and they go around and do engagement for us on behalf of the council with young people in the area. And they get a better traction than we would because they're talking to their peers. So There are oh, lots of ways that we can do it. So it.
3: Is something like that also looking perhaps to increase... The diversity of those parties or, or, or see that Bain communities, for example, are better represented in planning because actually you know when you come to think of it, you mentioned Joe the you know the kinds of people who are normally in attendance or objecting or appearing in some form at planning inquiries and they are typically um, white, middle class and very often male as well and, and it, it, it does lead you to wonder whether other groups ought to be better represented in the planning process. And now i know I'm t- at present.
1: There's been that stuff in the news this week about taking an axe to the planning system. But, you know, it strikes me that until we've kind of got this system working properly, and I personally, I think there's lots of improvements we could make to this system. And what we're talking about here is one of them, you know, increasing actual engagement so that um, it's not always a battle between the kind of um, people that you've just described, Becky, and you know, the development industry and is a much more inclusive conversation. I think until we've kind of done that, then I don't think we can say that the planning system doesn't work or isn't fit for purpose. And we certainly... It's, to me, it doesn't feel like it's time to take an axe to it. He, he says protecting his entire livelihood and um, ability to pay the mortgage. <laughs>
3: all our livelihoods. <laughs> yes. <we're>
2: exactly, <laughs> yeah. In the future <laughs> of this podcast, most important of all. Absolutely, that.
0: absolutely. absolutely. You see, this is when everybody should have decided to be a policy planner because essentially zoning is all about the planning at policy or like strategic level. So I feel like I'm okay.
3: You're um, a step a bit ahead. Worried,
0: a bit worried for quite a lot of the rest of the profession if it happens. Um, No, but I think there is, I think you're right. I think there's a need to look at like at a ward level, the data, so the ward that you're dealing with or the wards around you and just working out, you know, do you think that kids in that area are gonna be able to engage online or not?
3: you just need to look at the data goes for developers as well as for local authorities everyone wants to be doing that as a matter of course yeah
1: it is a a massive opportunity isn't it that something Mm. this cataclysmic only comes along i mean by its nature once in i don't know half a century or something and um you know i've said this a bunch of times in a bunch of different contexts but it would be such a shame you know as we feel lockdown coming to an end and the Current kind of weird status quo probably coming to an end. It would be a real shame if we just lapsed back into the kind of pre-COVID way of doing things. I think it's such an opportunity to actually turn the mirror around and think, well, actually, shall we do that differently, or is that?
2: I mean, the the, the court system. Genuinely went through about you know a decade or more um was worth of reform in about two weeks and towards the end of March of this year it's unbelievable you know the idea that all of a sudden like the admin courts doing you know lots of hearings over the internet I mean that would have been genuinely completely unthinkable in February but it's happened and I think you know the planning system also has taken some some really you know fantastic steps. I mean, hopefully, I think I feel quite strongly about what Joe and, indeed, Becky were saying about that the sort of limited segments of society that you get regularly engaging with the old system. And by the old system, I mean, the system as it was at the end of February. That's it. <laughs> Not, um, okay. yeah. The old days. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, as Joe says, as we sort of emerge from lockdown, these temporary regulations can turn into something a bit more permanent. And what we'll end up with is, yes, you can go and have a look at the full local plan or the full essay or whatever in hard copy at the council office if that's what floats your boat and you've got time and you're you know you're able to go and do it but if you you know have a job or if you've got kids or if you've got a a reason that means you can't take off all morning to go and sit and watch a planning inquiry or watch a committee meeting or whatever you should be able to dial in you should be able to zoom in or whatever and and hopefully that enormous segment of society lots of younger people i would have thought in particular working people people with kids will get will get more of an opportunity to engage
0: i think it's also given us all more confidence in the technology which possibly wasn't there before in planning yeah. so i think the technology that we have started to use is quite basic when you look at other industries or sectors but True. i think it will hopefully help us think about actually what else could we use um, to support planning and make it um, better i mean the work that's been done on plan tech and stuff like that on automating and stuff like that i think just automating like pd right applications or householders right. i feel like the whole of the the planning industry might get a bit more um, confident that that's that could work like whereas i don't i think everybody was a bit skeptical before
1: we, we almost got forced didn't we yeah yeah
0: we got forced into it and that works
1: overnight I, I i always i find it amusing to imagine the um the board of zoom who on you know march the 20th were you know the board of a small startup that no one had heard of and <laughs> yeah. would have these meetings to say how do we reach more people and then you know on march the 24th like the <laughs> entire universe is totally reliant on zoom i mean it's be amazing
2: i saw a tweet which was like how 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 bad must skype have been to have had the jump on zoom by literally 15 years (laughs) and to have still lost the competitive advantage
1: absolutely
3: Uh, we'll have to go and find out if there's going to be people from zoom you know going around sort of licking things deliberately to keep this pandemic going for a bit longer it was
1: it was them on bournemouth beach yesterday (laughs) absolutely the entire zoom community get down there yeah
2: so charlotte do you feel ultimately optimistic positive about the sort of post lockdown future do you think do you think there'll be some good things we can take away or are you just terrified of the backlog of of undetermined applications and plans that are hitting the skids and all of that, or both.
0: What, where's the backlog of undetermined applications? That doesn't happen at well, Wolfram Forest. What's the so I, in speaker, not not in the London borough of Waltham Forest. <laughs> I mean, I think I think for those things around technology and uh, around rethinking engagement, yes, feel very happy, like and positive about that, and also about people being able to work more flexibly. But I do think there's quite a lot of stuff we don't know yet. Um, we don't know what the impact is going to be on town centres yet um we don't know how deep it's going to be you know there's been that graph where it sort of shows a little blip for the previous recession and then like a big nosedive for what's going on at the moment and i think you, you yeah you can't plan for that yet you have to sort of wait and see what happens um you can mitigate as much as possible and provide as much support for businesses and everyone but we just we just don't know i mean we don't know if People are still going to be furloughed or need to be furloughed after October. I think those sort of economic consequences are just a bit unclear. Also, is anybody going to be buying at like some of these new flatted developments yet? Yeah, I'm not.
3: I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's a whole other topic, isn't it? What policy changes might this result in, particularly in terms of the provision of housing, particularly in cities? That and also uh, intra-city. And intercity transportation as well. I mean, two two huge got, topics. That's at least
2: so another episode. Or I was two just going to say there, they, they need to,
3: they need to go uh, into the hat. I think definitely. Speaking of the hat, I think we need to move on to our second topic. the, the paper Panama is back. I'm going to.
1: Is that 100 paper Becky? 100 100 percent paper. Lovely. Although
3: I feel like a
0: lot of trees were killed in the making of this podcast. Yeah. yeah
3: but we're saving so many from not printing anything anymore that I think it's okay exactly so I'm going to pick the next one out and we've got best day on the job well that's a nice positive message um, after the slight doob and gloom of the present economic situation
1: hopefully unless anyone hasn't got a a good day and it's just the best of a series of (laughs) dreadful days Joe best day on the job
3: (laughs) today (laughs) Uh,
2: today exactly yeah
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny isn't it they uh, things like that get you, you know you do get better at your job generally as you get a bit older but um well, I, one of the things some that i so. love some yeah some people do i'm still searching for that but um one of the, it's not so much a best day but it's the best moment and for me this is a recurring moment which is um whenever i the last day of an inquiry when I've, I've delivered my closings and then my opponent is about to start speaking And and I know that the wad of papers that they put down, this is when I'm acting for a local authority, um, the wad of papers that they plonk down on my desk, I know that that will take apart like 40% of what I've just said. And I know that it will make me look like an idiot in some ways. But I also know that I'm not allowed to come back. There's literally nothing, (laughs) you know, I'm not allowed to respond. So I just have to sit on my hands. And there's a sort of relief about that. You know, it's like, okay, I've delivered it. I've said everything that I can say. I'm not even going to be able to answer the points. I can probably pull a few faces at the inspector, you know, at the more sort of outlandish points. <laughs> Roll your eyes again that I made. a few times. Yeah, yeah. You
3: occasionally you did that, that
2: against isn't... me, Joe. When we were against each other, there was a lot it's of eye rolling, a lot of kind and of, of smiling to the inspector. It's all. And it's me. all I've got.
1: It's all I've got. Yeah. I basically spend the whole <laughs> inquiry trying to build up a rapport with the inspector so that my facial expressions in your closing submissions can uh, cut some mustard. But um, <laughs> yeah, so so there's that sort of lovely moment of release when you realize you've finished your bit the other thing about planning is that there's a there's a beautiful period of emotional detachment between the end of the inquiry and when the result comes in you know (laughs) there's none of that humiliation yeah Yeah,
3: I'm I'm always really grateful that we we don't get our job in general terms we don't get our (laughs) job immediately because it is like you you divorce the effort from the outcome and I, I know once um I did a I must have been in a high court decision. You know, not the only high court case I've heard. Once I did a high court case. <laughs> the, there'll not be not more, Rebecca. There'll
1: be more. <laughs> Keep, <laughs> Keep your head you. down. Well, Keep when I, I tell
3: you the answer, maybe maybe this maybe <laughs> this is why I know. I am. Um, I was. I was doing a high court case, and we weren't expecting to get judgments immediately, and we did get judgments immediately. And um, unsurprisingly, because it was delivered immediately, it, immediately, it was adverse. And mm, I was sat there with the with the clients, and it was just really. Difficult. it's just a really unpleasant experience at that time isn't it because you because you because the effort you're still so invested in just yeah. having done it and i think yeah i'm eternally grateful that when we're doing planning inquiries that that doesn't happen
2: after an inquiry my, my mum always says did you win and i said <laughs> we don't know we don't know yeah. we won't find out for weeks i, w- I you know it'll be yeah. ages
3: you'll have forgotten about it by the time uh
2: exactly by the time it sure. comes
3: out so what, what what's your best day best days are like difficult
0: um I think it probably is moments, like Joseph said. Um, but even then, I, I, I enjoyed my job. But, I, you know, I find it hard to think about highlights when people ask me about things like that. I think the weirdest, like, thing that I remember is... That's um, a much
1: better topic, weirdest yeah. day of the job. Yeah, yeah,
0: I used to be an enforcement officer. I used to be an enforcement officer at Wandsworth. It was like my first proper job after doing loads of internships in the recession. I think the most fun I had was telling a boat to move, like a catamaran read the plan. I couldn't understand where the boat was supposed to be, but I was like, yeah, yeah,
1: just be there. Move along, please. Look at the plan, move, move the boat. boat. <laughs>
0: um, but it was quite interesting, because it had to move to facilitate uh, the start of the Nine Elms regeneration. So it had to move Whoa. to allow river light. And I now Whoa. live opposite river light. Ah. so um, I go over there every so often. I'm always surprised actually how many boats managed to survive and um, they're being quite ruthless <laughs> about trying to get rid of them at the time. Um, But yeah, it's not every day that you, in your enforcement planning career, that you you get told to move a catamaran.
2: No, Um, that's pretty good. Yes,
0: Um, but in terms of highlights, like some of them, they probably more relate to Women in Planning than anything else. And I think probably the biggest highlight was when uh, Women in Planning Northwest had their launch in 2017, I think I've got that right. 2017 plus 2018. And that was really exciting because that was really the start of us growing and having confidence uh, from elsewhere in the uk that this was a good thing and it was needed
3: it's fair to say it's been a it's been a great success hasn't it
0: and then from then it grew to fourteen fourteen branches so that was it was it's all down to Jill Bell I always say um
2: could you tell us a bit about why you decided to why you decided to set it up and how that came about
0: yeah so it wasn't just me. Um, it is, it is uh, it, as Rebecca said. It's co-founded. So um, Alison Mackay always gets a huge shout out um, for co-founding it with me. Um, I guess we both had slightly different reasons. So. I mean, I have actually had quite a lot of female bosses um, or like leaders that I've worked for. So I worked for Seema Mancharder at Wandsworth. She was head of planning. I worked for Erica Mortimer, who used to be MD of CGMS before it got taken over by RPS. Um, and then obviously my mum is like a great female planner. Um, so, but I was always a bit miffed as to why I didn't see those of other women in meetings. Um, but they would always be on the end of the email, they'd always been doing the work, and why didn't see them at any events. Um, so I, I was just like, I know that there's amazing women working in planning, where are they? Um, and I felt like quite a lot of the other groups for women didn't really relate to planning either, they were quite expensive. I was always conscious that quite a lot of the events you would go to didn't have any public sector planners. And I was working in a private consultancy and even then in a private consultancy, private planning consultancies don't have loads of budget, not all of them. They're very varying in size and scale. So I just thought that there was something missing for like a, a free place for women to come together and talk about their challenges and um, sort of their ambition, really. Like that it's OK to talk about where, where they want to go and what they want to do and how they want to succeed. And there just didn't seem to be anywhere to do that in
1: planning. There's definitely a lot of um a lot of that around, isn't there? I mean, you know, I'm conscious that in jumping in here, I'm being a, an entitled middle class forty one year old white man, but um you know a lot of those traits that um traditionally get you a long way, like basically being prepared to leap in and express an opinion, and you know all of those things. Are traits that... It's getting
2: very meta now, Joe, as you well, describe the thing that you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But
1: those are things that you know, actually, um, culturally, have not come so easily to women or have not been appreciated when women do it. You know, there's a sort of criticism of women who do the exact thing that I'm doing, leaping in, offering opinion in a freeform way. Um, You know, I've just had um, a daughter, not me, my wife, um, six weeks ago. (laughs) And, you know, we're quite conscious of the, the different words that you use around female children than you do about male children, you know, that, there's that yeah. word bossy, isn't there, that a lot of people mm. use about women or girls that nobody would ever really describe a man as. So I think all of that stuff, you know, kind of rethinking the the way in which we appreciate the different genders and, and, the, and throwing off the shackles of some of the kind of learned um, behaviour around what we think is good and bad about um, the way people act, I think is really important.
3: I think one of the areas where there's still a lot of work to do in particular and charlotte it's interesting you say or, you know you you notice that the, the woman was always on the end of the email and doing the work it, it is, so the area that i see still there's a lot of work to be done is it's in expert witness work so often um there are great female planners in either local authorities or private consultancy you know anywhere really and and actually in other disciplines too this doesn't even apply simply to planning but they they aren't the person who's put forward as the expert witness and it's and it's hard to see why i mean i, I can count on one hand probably the number of female expert witness planners who i've either called or cross examined i mean they they're just very few few and far between aren't they yeah
0: and actually that's what the northwest has been really good in in that regards and um we held most successful event 150 women coming to do mock planning inquiry and you know we did um we had sarah reed and stan Bell um as the two barristers and then we had to undertake a mock inquiry i did it and so did my other friend who was working for a local authority at the time But it was really scary because there was more people than you'd usually have at an inquiry. You had like an audience of about 125 people (laughs) staring at you, and I couldn't remember anything. (laughs)
2: exactly the real thing will be a be a cinch after that
3: so i was going to say you'll be you'll be ready for the big controversial schemes there that sounds that sounds excellent
2: <laughs> becky what's your what's your best uh we've i don't think you, you you gave your court one but that wasn't really a good day was it that was that was, that was feeling weird that was a low that
3: was a low so have you got <laughs> any have
2: you had any good ones over the years one or,
3: one or one or two i mean now though i feel that mine are sort of slightly trivial my best days i think two two days stand out um um, both for site visits which is one of my which site visits are one of my favorite parts of the job principally Me because too. i'm extremely nosy and um, <laughs> exactly. it facilitates my nosiness in a professional way but, but, but i think probably my one of my favorite projects um, or days on the job ever was um, a site visit i did for national grid about eight years ago where we were doing a, a it was the north london reinforcement project which involved Um, putting up a new or restringing a line, uh, an electricity line, that runs through um, uh, the Lee Valley. And so um, it was decided that the only way that we could see this site effectively was to do it on bicycle. And it was a a glorious day, probably this time of year, sort of 25 degrees. And we got to go on a 25 kilometre bike ride with a picnic um, and I got paid for it.
2: It's part I mean, of the job, just just exactly. part of the service.
1: I always think a a, a sight view on a site that uh, um that is close to or um abuts one of the kind of national footpath networks where you've got to insist on you know seeing it from all of the points on the Essex Way. I think those are the exactly. best sight views. We exactly. just do another eight miles that way. Yeah. The,
3: the the other the other one that was that stands out was um, going to view the Manchester Ship Canal by helicopter. That was wow. another wow. excellent site visit. Um, I'd never yeah. been in a helicopter before either, and I was quite worried about going in a skirt. I wasn't sure. I, I was imagining sort of an army Chinook, and then when <laughs> when I turned up, it was the um, my client's personal helicopter, <laughs> and it was more sort of leather seats, cream leather seats, and gold <laughs> seat belts. So it was very much. I felt yeah, very comfortable, moving. very at home yeah. in that. So. You weren't yeah. acting for a
1: local authority that that day well, uh, that
3: not, not yeah. on that not on that occasion no, no no but so they they now feel slightly trivial when others have you know noted their much more impressive achievements so zach i'm I'm standing by you to come in with your favorite day that's equally trivial
2: the the, the moments that I reflect on with sort of pride it's not quite the same thing um but the things that I look back on fondly I think the, the 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 thread that unites them is my sort of frustrated non life as an architect. Like the the path that I would have taken if I was good at drawing, and I'm terrible at drawing. If I was good at sort of maths and whatever else they need to understand, uh, and indeed if I was sort of creative in that way, it would have been nice to be an architect. And most of the, like you know when you do an outline uh, planning application for a hundred houses on the edge of a village. You don't need an architect to come along and give any evidence for you when you do a scheme that involves and that requires really high quality architecture. And as you get to work alongside as the barrister, you know, the architect, you get to work on how they're going to deliver their evidence. You get to work on the the, the presentation and all of that stuff with them um i get really it's it's about as close as i feel i'm ever going to it's definitely cl- as close as i'm ever going to get um and i love that it's it's re- you know when you you start feel like you're you're getting involved as part of the team in the place making bit not just the bit where you're doing the you know the closing speeches and that but you're actually creating you know a, a really positive environment with lots of high quality open spaces and all of that that is pretty fun
3: don't we all do that though you know you go around my my husband and friends knows where i go around going oh i you know i had something to do with that building that building's there yeah, it's yeah, because yeah. of me absolutely it's not... absolutely so <laughs> i am working in london because you can yeah. just you
2: walk around and go that's mine that's yeah. mine absolutely
3: yeah usually it's things like oh look i once enforced against that she should or you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly yeah <laughs> that that means, yeah, yeah absolutely. it's a glad-
3: Well, guys, look—we've all had good days, which is um, (laughs) encouraging to know. It's probably why we're still here and in planning, and hopefully, can we
2: do worse days next week? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've got some. I've got so many more stories. So that's that a longer be... podcast. It is. It is. That'll be a double,
2: a double decker, double header. So, special. So absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I think.
3: Uh, I think. Then it probably just remains for us to thank our very special guest, yes. Charlotte, who's um, been fantastic. Phil, we have still missed you. Um, yeah,
2: but not but so. Charlotte, much. you know
3: exactly. You've been a, a more than adequate. <laughs>
2: an improvement I think I he's say. in Boots he's not
3: he's
0: not at his he con he's in, no, right. he's in Boots he's in Boots he's not even got booth. a
2: con he's never had a wishing, con on his life, in his life wishing he was in
0: Waitrose
2: <laughs> <laughs> wishing he was in Waitrose <laughs> we are Phil we've got you sussed mate we know We know this old barrister thing it's a front nonsense it's a front for your supermarket shop <laughs> alright
3: well until next time everybody great stuff thanks very much
2: guys thanks very Bye. much Unplanned is a podcast by me, Zach Simons, Joe Cannon, Rebecca Clutton and Phil Robson. Thank you to Jack McNeil for our theme music. You can subscribe to Unplanned at all purveyors of high quality podcasts. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks.